You're listening to the podcast of Christ Walk Church in Fernandina Beach, Florida, where we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. We hope that these messages encourage and challenge you to live for something more. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can find us online at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening. Now here's today's message. What's up, Christ Walk? How's everybody doing this morning? I've I've got a song in my heart today. It's one that we sang in church when I was a kid, and it goes something like this. I feel the rain. I feel the rain. I feel it falling down on me. I feel the rain. I feel the rain. I feel it falling down on me. The former and the latter rain together, but I'm not talking about the weather. It's the Holy Ghost rain that's falling down on me. That was not in my notes. I'm not going to let, I apologize because I know that I'm not the best singer, um, but I am not going to let what's going on outside dampen what's going on inside. And I believe that we have had an encounter. We're going to continue to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit today. I'm excited about um, Sunday fun day, and I'm not going to let the rain dampen my spirits or uh, keep me from getting all that God has for me today. Amen. Amen. All right. So if you got your Bible, um, you got a smart device, why don't you turn with me or swipe with me to the Old Testament? Um, We're going back to Psalms um, for this morning. If you've got a conventional Bible like this, just open it up to the middle and you will probably be in the book of Psalms. Or if you're swiping, you can punch it in. We'll be in Psalm chapter 88 and we are going to land there in just a minute. Psalm chapter 88. Uh, One of my very earliest memories that I have as a kid was um, the first time that I ever came to Florida. Um, I'm not from here. I was born and raised in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and um, I was maybe four or five years old um, when my dad had some business. He had had a business trip that he had to, I guess that he got to, like, oh, twist my arm, come to Florida, you know. Um, but he, he had to be down here on some business. And so my parents, being the generous people that they are, they decided to tack on a couple extra days onto the trip to help me as a four or five-year-old knock off a couple bucket list items um, to take me to Walt Disney World and to see the ocean for the first time. And it's a little bit surreal that we live so close to both of those things now. And I totally take those for granted. But five-year-old me would have given anything to be in 40-year-old me's shoes um, so this, it's, it's awesome. But, but I can remember being in the car driving down I-75 and asking, how much longer until we're in Florida? How much longer until we're in Florida? Every couple minutes, you know, this whole trip until finally I remember my dad saying, we've just got a few more miles. It's going to be like 15 minutes and 10 minutes and five minutes. And then I remember, um, I, I remember getting close to the border and, and anticipation was building and I was, I was getting so excited and my palms were sweaty and my face was pressed up against the window. And I can remember seeing the welcome to Florida sign on the side of the interstate and my parents proudly announcing, we are in Florida. And I just couldn't wait to soak it all in. And there I was in the back seat of that car, and my excitement quickly turned to disappointment and disbelief. <laughs> because I quickly discovered that Florida looked a whole lot like South Georgia. 
and that Mickey Mouse and Cinderella's castle were nowhere to be seen. It did not make sense in my five-year-old head. Like, I was like, what a ripoff. This is a, I thought you were taking me to Florida. But instead, we're in Florida. Like, I'm not a dummy. I'd seen the TV commercials. I had read the articles and seen the pictures in the magazines. And I could attest that this was certainly not Florida. Because I knew what Florida looked like. It looked like the Magic Kingdom. It looked like sprawling beaches and waves and everything. And this was just a road that looked the same as it did a mile ago and a mile before that and a mile before that. The reality failed to meet my expectations. Is anybody following me this morning? We've all experienced this type of thing before. Many of us in regard to our relationship with Jesus or the ideas that we have about a relationship with Christ or what it means to be a part of a church, what it means to be a person of faith. Many of us have bought into the lie that life as a Christ follower is going to be all sunshine and rainbows all the time. We, we see the highlight reels on social media from churches each week where every single person in all of the pictures is grinning from ear to ear right? We, we hear maybe a, a pastor on TV. We heard a pastor on TV one time tell us that, that if we'll just live for Jesus, we're going to get the girl and we're going to get the house and we're going to get the job and we're going to get the car. We're going to have everything that we possibly could ever want. All we have to do is just name it and claim it and go lay our hands on it and it's ours, right? And then when that stuff doesn't come to fruition, what ends up happening is that, that we enter into the blame game and we'll blame ourselves and we'll go, maybe I'm just doing this wrong. It looks like it's working for that person over there. Maybe if I did this or if I did this or if I crossed this T or dotted this I or checked this box, whatever, maybe I'm just going about this the wrong way. Or, or if we don't blame ourselves, a lot of the times we'll, we'll blame God and we'll say, God, I know what your word says. Why are you not coming through the way that you promised you would? Why are you not doing for me what you did for them, right? I'm going to church. I'm reading my Bible. I'm praying. I'm serving. I'm giving and on and on and on. I'm checking all of the boxes. Yet sometimes... Life just stinks. I figured that'd get a big amen from somebody. Maybe I'm, just, maybe I'm just talking to myself up here this morning, but that's okay. This is, this is good therapy. Sometimes, even in Jesus, life just stinks. It is an absolute dream of mine to be in the position that I'm in. As the pastor of Christ Walk Church, I can't think of anywhere else I'd rather be, any other church I'd rather be the pastor at. But sometimes I think, you know, I could just go work at Lowe's. <laughs> sometimes it just stinks. That's not because of any of you in this room or any of you watching online. It's because of those other people. Sometimes the reality just fails to live up to the expectations. 
And today we're launching a new series called Not Feeling It, where over the next several weeks, we're going to talk about just that. How do we handle it when the reality doesn't live up to the expectations? How do we handle the seasons of life where we look around and it seems that God is nowhere to be found? What are the reasons for that? What should our response be? And what does the Bible have to say about it all? That's what we're going to be talking about today and for the next several weeks. And man, it is pouring (laughs) outside. It is going to be good. I hope y'all like soggy barbecue sandwiches. (laughs) Psalm 88 uh, Psalm 88 is, is one of the parts of scripture that talks to us about this kind of, uh, th- these seasons of life. And it was written um, by a, a man by the name of Heman, or as I like to call him, He-Man. Um, that just brings up, you know, my eight, 1980s childhood right there. He was a temple musician during the reign of David. And as we're going to soon find out, his life, it was a little bit of a struggle. It was a little bit of a struggle. And, and so um, we're going to jump in. We're going to read all 18 verses of Psalm 88. And so um, as we read, see if you can maybe identify with any of this. Uh, Starting in verse one, it says, O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out to you by day. I come to you at night. Now hear my prayer. Listen to my cry for my life is full of troubles and death draws near. I'm as good as dead, like a strong man with no strength left. Verse five. They have left me among the dead and I lie like a corpse in a grave. I'm forgotten, cut off from your care. You have thrown me into the lowest pit, into the darkest depths. Your anger weighs me down with wave after wave you have engulfed me. Verse eight, you've driven my friends away by making me repulsive to them. I'm in a trap with no way of escape. My eyes are blinded by my tears. Each day I beg for your help. Oh Lord, I lift my hands to you for mercy. Are your wonderful deeds of any use to the dead? Do the dead rise up and praise you? Verse 11, can those in the grave declare your unfailing love? Can they proclaim your faithfulness in the place of destruction? Can the darkness speak of your wonderful deeds? Can anyone in the land of forgetfulness talk about your righteousness? Oh Lord, I cry out to you. I will keep pleading day by day. Oh Lord, why do you reject me? Why do you turn your face from me? I've been sick and close to death since my youth. I stand helpless and desperate before your terrors. Verse 16, your fierce anger has overwhelmed me. Your tremors have paralyzed me. They swirl around me like floodwaters all day long. They have engulfed me completely. You've taken away my companions and loved ones. And darkness is my closest friend. Cue the Simon and Garfunkel, right? Hello, darkness, my old friend. All the, all the teenagers only get that because it's a part of like a meme. They didn't know that that was Simon and Garfunkel. They think Simon is one of the chipmunks, and they think Garfunkel is probably on Sesame Street, but they're not sure which one he is. 
And I know maybe what you're thinking right now at this moment, after we've read the entirety of Psalm 88 and there's absolutely zero closure, you're like looking around saying, I thought this was Sunday fun day. And this is what this, like, this is what we showed up for. This is what this guy brings to the table. Like, this is the perfect passage for Sunday fun day, right? Everybody's feeling in a great mood right now. Really? Way to bring it up, Pastor Blake. Sometimes, though, this is just how life is. It's just how life is. Case in point, the past 18 months, for example, the past 18 months have been filled full of fear, full of doubt, full of loss, full of struggle. And we're still not even out of the woods yet. Every time we think we might see a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel, something else comes in to, to cloud those beams of light that are shining through and produce the darkness once again. And, and it's easy. Uh, uh, no, no doubt many of you have even asked questions like this over the past 18 months. I, I know that I have things like, God, why is this happening? Or, or God, where are you in the midst of all of this? Or God, are you ever going to do anything to fix this? Maybe you've asked questions like that. I, I know that, that I have. And, and when we read Psalms like 88, like, like Psalm 88, at, at first glance, this, this passage, it doesn't seem to be one to offer much hope. And, and upon reading it through initially, it, it can cause us to believe or to, to wonder, like, why was something like this even included in the scriptures in the first place? Like, why would God put a psalm like that that's full of gloom and despair and that offers no closure... At all, what's, why would that be included? It seems, for, for many people, it might seem ridiculous that that's even a part of God's word. But, but I, for one, I'm glad that it's a part of God's word. And I believe that there are some powerful truths that you and I can take away from this passage that's going to set as a foundation for us in, in the weeks yet to come as we kind of walk through this series of not feeling it. So if you're taking notes today, we're going to talk about four truths to remember when life stinks. Four truths we need to remember when life stinks. And so if you're taking notes, you want to write this down. Number one, the first truth to remember when life stinks is that honesty honors God. Honesty honors God. Around here, we like to say that authenticity is our lifestyle, that we don't want to put on masks. We don't want to present any kind of false front or anything. We want to be who we be. And whether that's, um, you know, to God or whether that's to anybody else, we don't want to, we don't want to be fake. And, and I don't know about you, but, but sometimes when I get into my prayer closet and, and when I'm spending time with God, sometimes I feel really guilty telling God how I really feel, right? Like I feel like that, that in, in those moments, like when I'm with God and everything, that, that if, if I'm not talking about how great everything is and how blessed I am and, and how it's just all over the top and, and, and all that stuff, that, that, that somehow what I'm communicating is that God isn't doing his job 
the right way and that I'm like dumping things on him. And, 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 and it, 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 can, it can feel from time to time, it can feel difficult to tell God like what's really going on inside here and inside here. And y'all believe me, it's a crazy mess. Just because I'm the pastor of the church doesn't mean that I've got it all together, that I've got it all figured out. And I find it difficult sometimes that it's almost like I'm trying to protect God from the real me, to protect him from the, from the, 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 the real, the, the nitty gritty of the things that are going on in my life. But God doesn't need protection from our junk, our stuff. Because he sent his son to die for it. And guess what? He knows about it all even before we come to him. So you need to know here this morning, those of you watching with us online, maybe this rainy day is adding to the gloom and the despair that is swirling around in your life. But you need to know this morning that whatever you've got going on, it doesn't matter what it is, whatever it is, God can handle it. It's not too big for him to handle and, and as I read, not just this psalm, but I read over the course of the psalms, I like to make uh, the psalms part of my regular Bible reading every day. And, and I see the majority of the psalms, they're written by David. There's some other authors like, you know, my man He-Man here and, um, and others, but the majority of them are written by David. And I discovered that like David says some pretty outlandish things. Like he expresses quite a bit of anguish and despair all throughout the psalms. And yet he was considered a man that was after God's own heart. And so if David could be that way and still have that moniker, then, then maybe we should uh, embrace that as well in our approach to God, realizing that when we're honest with him, it brings him honor. And then I even consider this passage that was referenced by Jesus himself on the cross. It comes to us out of Psalm 22, but perhaps you know it from the Gospels. Psalm 22, verses 1 and 2, it says, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Or maybe you remember it as, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night I lift my voice, but I find no relief. That's a man who is after God's own heart crying out. He's pleading to God in that manner. And Warren Wearsby says this, he says, one of the first steps toward revival is to be completely transparent when we pray and not tell the Lord anything that is not true or that we do not really mean. I think rather than us worshiping the Lord out of false pretenses, he would much rather us come to him and say, God, I'm really struggling worshiping you right now. Because life is not what I hoped it would be. It doesn't seem that the things that are going on in my life, that they are in alignment with your word or with the promises and the principles that are found therein. And I am having a difficult time with all of this. Can you please help me? Will you please show me what's going on here? Because we'll gripe and complain to it, uh, about it to everyone else. Why won't we go to the, the one and be real with the, the only one who can do anything about it? We want everybody else and their mama to know the struggles we are having. 
but we won't take it to the Lord, and he's the only one that can do anything about it. When it comes to life just stinking, we need to remember that honesty honors God. First Peter 5, 7 says, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. You look up that word all in the Greek, it means all. 100%. That's right. Give all of your worries and cares to God, for he cares for you. That means that, that we're going to be honest with him. We're not going to hold anything back. If we're, if we're upset, if we're tired, if we're angry, if we're hungry, if we're hangry, whatever that is, we're just going to be real and be honest with God. And I guarantee you, watch what will happen if in your personal prayer time, you begin to do that. Instead of complaining about it over here and over here and telling this one and telling that, what if you just go to God and say, God, I'm mad right now. I'm angry. I'm hurt. I'm sad. I'm depressed. I'm lonely. I'm struggling. And watch what will happen in your prayer life. Watch how that will turn the tides of things for you. It may not change the situation, but it will change your heart toward it. That's what's going to happen. Number two, where honesty honors God. Number two, faith is more than feelings. Faith is more than feelings. This is another truth that we can apply whenever, whenever life just stinks. We need to remember that faith is more than feelings. And can I just be honest there are a lot of things that I don't feel like doing. Like sometimes, even on Sunday mornings, I don't feel like getting out of the warmth of my bed. Where I'm there with my wife and our puppy, and we're all snuggled up. Sunday morning sleep is like the best sleep ever, right? And there are times when I'm like, man, I wonder like if I just didn't go in today. Like, who would preach? Right? Like, I, I have those thoughts from time to time. I, I, I recently turned 40, um, as this bald spot that is ever increasing can attest. And um, did my daughter just say, You're welcome? <laughs> yeah, Luke's why it turned gray, Avery's why it turned loose. That's what's going on. But I just turned 40. And so uh, we, we joined the gym, um, and I have these grandiose ideas that I'm going to undo 40 years of living crazy in like four weeks. Like, I'm going to get fit, right? But can I be like, I don't like going to the gym. I don't feel like it. There's never been a time, we've been going for like a month now, there's never been one time that I've walked through that door that I thought, you know, I want to be here. I don't ever feel like eating broccoli instead of cookies. Like never once have I had that option. Like you can have this plate of broccoli or you can have this chocolate chip cookie. Never once in my life have I ever gone, you know, I feel like eating that broccoli instead. Nope. Nope. Sometimes I don't feel like praying and reading my Bible. 
Sometimes like there, there's just, there's other stuff going on. There's other things that I want to do. There's a TV show that I want to watch. There's a game that's on. There's, there's an activity that I want to participate in, or I got to hurry up and, and get to the next appointment, get to the next thing. And I just don't feel like making the time for those things. But, but I try to do all of those things. I, I, I try to get out of bed with a good attitude every morning. I, I try to go to the gym and, and get my workout in. I try to eat the broccoli instead of the cookies. I try to pray and read the Bible and everything because I know that those things are right or they're good and they will benefit me. That's why I do those things even though I don't feel like it. And I can't help but wonder, but if that's what I want for myself, how much more does our heavenly father want good things for us? So much so that, that he sent his one and only son to die in our place so that we didn't have to pay the penalty of death. We didn't have to receive the worst of what life has to offer, but so that, so that our future could be good and promising and filled full of hope. Psalm 27, verses 13 through 14, David says this. He says, uh, he, he lists this litany of things in the opening part of this chapter, all this stuff that's going wrong all this stuff that he can't stand about his life, all this stuff about how his enemies are always after him and they're always against him and he wants God to grind their teeth to powder and all these things. And in verse 13, he says, despite all of this, yet I am confident that I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. And then he says something in verse 14. He says, wait patiently for the Lord. I got news for you, David. I don't feel like waiting patiently. I want it now. I want a golden goose. A party with roomfuls of laughter and 10,000 cakes and 10 tons of ice cream. If I don't get those things that I'm after, I'm going to scream. I don't feel like waiting, but he says, I'm confident that if we will just be patient, if we will wait on the Lord, we will see, we will experience his goodness while we are in the land of the living. I love this quote from C.S. Lewis. He says, though our feelings come and go, God's love for us does not. It is not wearied by our sins or our indifference. And therefore, it is quite relentless in its determination that we shall be cured of those sins at whatever cost to us, at whatever cost to him. See, while our feelings are definitely, they are an important, they are a significant way in which we engage in our relationship with God, they cannot and should not serve as the sole way that we determine whether or not God loves us and whether or not he is with us and for us. Because our feelings will lie to us every single time. Honesty honors God. Faith is more than feeling. Number three, difficulty doesn't equal distance. Difficulty doesn't equal distance. We've come to believe that if life is hard, then God must be far away. Or that if, if life is, is difficult, that God is allowing us to suffer because he's disappointed in us. But yet Psalm 34, 18 says this. It says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. 
We do not serve a God who pushes us over and then kicks us while we are down. We serve a God that when we fall and we scrape our knees and we bloody ourselves and life is just the pits, we serve a God who comes close to us and he scoops us up in his arms and he cares for us. He rescues us. We serve a God who is aware of our struggles and doesn't move away from us when it gets more difficult, but yet he runs to us in the midst of that difficulty. But make no mistake, that does not mean that we're always going to escape bad times. That doesn't mean that as Christ followers that that bad things are never going to happen to us. And whoever told you that is a liar. But what it does mean is that often God will allow difficult times and difficult things and difficult seasons in our life so that we can learn to depend on him rather than depending on our own strength. I've got some encouragement for someone this morning. The thing that you're walking through right now, that thing that the whole time I've been talking, it's just been twisting in your heart like a knife and that thing that that you're just struggling with, it may be for now, but it won't be forever. That's the hope that we have to hold on to. It may be for right now. It may be appointed for a season just just for this, that that God is teaching you something. He's, He's causing you to lean on him through this instead of your own strength. And that might be for right now, but it's not going to be forever. This is the hope that Job had when he said in, in Job 13, 15, when he said, even if God's, even if God kills me. I have hope in him, or though he slay me, yet will I serve him. Here's my question this morning. Is is God only good if life is good? Or does his goodness transcend our circumstances? If, If God is only good, if life is good, then he's not very good. But when we see that his goodness transcends our circumstances and and we look to God for all that he is and all that he has done in spite of what we are experiencing, we, we see that there's a whole other dimension that opens up. See, for those of us that have placed our hope in Jesus, we need to remember that this world and all of its trappings and all of its difficulty and all of its struggle, it's not what we're living for anyways. For those of us whose hope is in Jesus, we've chosen to live for something more. That this world and everything that we are experiencing right now, it is only temporary. It is, it is perishing, it is dying, and one day it's going to be wiped away. But because of Jesus, the best, is yet to come. I put it on a t-shirt. It may be for now, but it won't be forever. Difficulty does not equal distance because God is close to the brokenhearted. And when we are struggling, that's when he comes in and he picks us up and he carries us through those moments, through those seasons. So honesty honors God. Faith is more than feelings. Difficulty doesn't equal distance. Number four, darkness is often development. 
Heman talked about this. He, he ended his psalm talking about how he was in the midst of a great darkness. And it can be difficult when we're in the middle of darkness, but there's, there's something unique that can happen in the dark. Sarah and I were recently out of town this past weekend, actually. We, we were up in Pennsylvania for a few days celebrating pastor appreciation with some really close friends of ours. And um, they pastor a church there in Pennsylvania. And while we were there um, in Easton, we also got to visit nearby Scranton, near my office fans. Um, we got to see some of the sights and experienced some of that. And then they were only about an hour away from New York City. Sarah and I had never been. It's one of those things that was on our bucket list. And so we got to go into New York City for, um, for a day and cram all kinds of stuff in. I've got like 357 pictures on my phone <laughs> of, of that day, just right here in my pocket. But, you know, there, were, there was a time like when I was a kid where in order to take all those pictures, we had to have an actual camera. And teenagers, there was this thing that you put inside of a camera called film. (laughs) And you didn't have the liberty of knowing if someone had their eyes closed when they took the picture or if your duck face was crooked or if the peace sign was in the shot or not, you had, to, you had to, to, to use up all of that film and then take it to a place like a, like a little photo hut. Um, or you would go into like the back of Walmart or over in the corner of a drugstore and you would drop off this little canister in a bag and, and then, you know, three days to a week later, it would come back to you and you would look through all of the terrible pictures that you took. And I can remember before the days of, well, it wasn't really before the days of a smartphone, but it was before the days of, of Sarah's mom having a smartphone. That anytime we went anywhere, we'd have to stop and get one of those little cardboard box cameras, you know, that had like the crank wheel on it. And so everywhere we went, Nanny would be like, all right, y'all say cheese, click, like, oh. We're out. I've taken those 24 pictures. We're done. We can't take any more. See, we weren't able to have the instant gratification of taking a picture and going, oh, that's not quite right. Let me, let me take it again. Let me get it right. Touch your head this way or turn that way or whatever. We, we had to wait. And, and there was a danger of, of those kinds of cameras because if the back opened and that film that was on the inside, if it got exposed to the light, then it would destroy it all. And so you would take that, that, that film and you would drop it off and then the, the people, the technicians, they would take it and they would put it in this thing called the dark room. And there in the dark, that film would be in complete darkness and it would be submerged underwater. And that's where all the magic happened. That's where the film became what we call it, it developed. See, just because we're in the darkness doesn't mean that God is disciplining us or that he's deserted us. Sometimes we can experience dark places, dark times, dark seasons of our life because God is developing something in us. 
And it's not something that we're going to receive instant gratification from. It's something that we're going to have to wait, that we're going to have to get in an uncomfortable place, that that we're going to have to maybe be in a place where we're completely and totally submerged, where we feel like we're drowning. But God is doing something through the process to bring out something beautiful as a result. James, the brother of Jesus, writes about this in his letter Chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, he says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Consider it an opportunity for the fruit of the Spirit to be released in your life. Verse 3, he says, For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed... You will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Somebody needs to know this morning, there is purpose in your pain. Yes, life can be difficult, but it's not on accident. It's not because we serve a mean, vengeful God. It's because he's wanting to develop some things in us. There's intentionality behind it. And Heman's life is an example here from Psalm 88. It's clear that what he was experiencing, it was pretty rough for him. No doubt you and I can identify with some of it, maybe all of it. But it's offering comfort and encouragement and hope to all of us thousands of years later. There was some purpose in his pain. There was some significance in his struggle. God was doing something in him. And the God we serve, he doesn't make mistakes. And he will often allow us to experience certain things to help us to become the person that he has called us to be. So you need to hear me very clearly this morning as we lay the foundation for what this series is going to be moving forward over the coming weeks, you need to know that if you have breath in your lungs, God has a purpose for your life. If you have breath in your lungs, God has a purpose for your life. If you're not dead, then he's not done. He's still developing And we believe here at Christ Walk that every single person has a purpose. In fact, part of our discipleship strategy is to help people discover their purpose. And I'm excited to tell you about something that's launching in October that's called Discover Track. Something that has been several months in the making. It's something that my wife, Sarah, she's come on our team as connections director, is helping to spearhead. And it's a three-part class. It's for those that are new to Christ Walk or those that have attended here for for years as well. And in in those three sessions, you're going to discover who we are, you're going to discover who you are, and then we're going to discover what we can be together. And if you're interested in that, you'll hear more about that in the coming weeks. I know that's a little vague right now, but you'll hear more about that in the coming weeks Um, about how you can get involved. And if that's something that you think that you're ready for to take your next step in your journey here at Christ Walk Church, 
You can find all of it on our events page on our website at thechristwalk.com. You can register to be a part of that. And then we'll be talking about it every week for the next several weeks so that you can get comfortable and find out more information about what all of that is. If you have any questions, you can always visit the Big Green Tent. Um, You can find Sarah and ask her. We would be happy to field any of those questions, but we wanna partner with people and we wanna help them to discover their purpose that yeah, man, life may just stink, but God has a plan, God has a purpose. And this is a place We don't want you to just attend. We don't want you to just be. We want you to thrive and grow and develop to be all that God has called you to be. Amen? Amen. Amen. So as we bring Psalm 88 to a close and we get ready to transition into what's next, if, if I had to sum all of this up into kind of one thought, one big idea, it would simply be this. So we lay the foundation for this series and, and what it's going to be, and we're going to build off of things from here. The biggest truth of Psalm 88 is that even when we can't feel him, we can still remain faithful because God is faithful. Even when we can't feel him, we can remain faithful because God is faithful. And I, I love that verse Verse 13 of of Psalm 88, Heman writes, he says, O Lord, I cry out to you. I will keep on pleading day by day. Here was a man that, that despite all of the struggle, despite all of the difficulty, despite all of the, the negativity and the things that he had experienced, he refused to throw in the towel. He said, I'm just gonna keep being faithful because I know the God that I serve is faithful. So come what may, I'm going to continue to plead to my father day by day by day. In short, I believe what Heman is saying to us today is three simple words. Don't give up. Don't give up. We can be faithful because the God we serve is faithful. Jesus said it himself in Matthew 7, verses 7 and 8. He said, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. So what is it that you need from the Lord today? How, how do you need him to move in your life in this season? I want you to determine right now that whatever it takes, not only are you gonna ask, but you're gonna keep on asking. Not only are you gonna seek, but you're gonna keep on seeking. Not only are you going to knock, but you're going to keep on knocking. We need to make up our mind today that we can be faithful because we know that the God we serve is faithful. And maybe you're here with us today. Maybe you're watching with us online and you're like, Pastor Blake, that's the kind of life that I wanna live. That's the kind of walk that I want to be on. That starts by taking a step to surrender your life to Jesus. 
and make him Lord and Savior of your life. And if you would like to do that this morning, I want to invite you to pray a very simple prayer with me. If you're here today, you're watching with us online, you would say, Pastor Blake, I'm ready. I'm ready for that to be my way of life. I'm ready to completely surrender my heart, Lord, everything that I am. I'm I'm ready to surrender it all to Jesus Christ. If that's you, then I invite you to pray this simple prayer along with me. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner and that I'm lost without you. I believe that Jesus died in my place, making a way for us to have a relationship. And I choose to follow Jesus in his way for the rest of my life. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Christ Walk Church podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. To find out more information about Christ Walk Church, including our service times, how to connect with us on social media, and the ministry opportunities we have for you and your family, simply visit our website at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget, because of Jesus, the best is yet to come.